Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello, everyone. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor. Good to be here today. It's good seeing you all here. Um, I wanted to start off by saying thank you for your generosity here at the church. Last week, we our giving was over budget. And uh, that was exciting because that's the first time it happened this year. So we were pretty excited about that. Um, and I also wanted to uh, give an update on how much we gave uh, into our community to support ministries around here and then also around the world um, in 2020. So here's our numbers. So we gave $15,603 in international missions and then uh, $13,146 here locally. To support ministries here, a uh, total of $28,749 last year alone. Yeah. Isn't that exciting? I mean, that's part of our 10%. You guys, you know, when you give to the church, we set aside 10% to go out the door and outreach to missions. And my hope is that in 2021, we'll actually even give away more than that. So again, thank you for your generosity. If you would like to see the details for where we gave that money um, in 2020. We are having our annual business meeting in two weeks. That's uh, right after second service on Sunday, February 7th. Um, it's super exciting. You know, we talk about numbers, but it is exciting to see where God uh, is, is um, using our funds to further his kingdom. So that's uh, coming up in two weeks. All right, so uh, basketball season has started. You guys notice that? Um, any uh, like NCAA basketball fans, like there's, there's just like three of us. All right. Well, <laughs> um, you know, it takes me a little bit every year to kind of get back into uh, college basketball. You know, I really love football, but then basketball starts and then my favorite team is Michigan and they just go on this run where they don't lose any games. And that's kind of exciting. So I kind of get back into uh, basketball season. And one of the things that you'll notice with um, basketball, college basketball especially, is that when someone goes to shoot a free throw, all of the fans behind there, especially if it's the student section, they try to distract them. It looks something like this. So can you imagine trying to shoot a free throw with all of that going on behind there? So um, Arizona State has actually taken it to the next level though. Arizona State has something they call the curtain of distraction. So here's what the curtain looks like. So this is behind the stu or in front of the student section underneath the basketball hoop. And so when it comes time for uh, the, the player from the opposite team to shoot a free throw, they unveil the curtain, the curtain of distraction. And what comes out of it is like Elvis will come out, Shark Man. You got a couple unicorns, kind of a scary clown over there. And even, you see that dog man down there? I mean, they, they come out at the time. This is what's revealed as you're getting ready to shoot the free throw. They've also had like this, a scary clown, you know, doing jump rope. Um, that's interesting. And then they've also had some guy with a chain and a ballet dancer. I mean, whatever they can do to try to mess you up, a ball and chain. So this actually works, though. Um the opposite team's free throw percentage before they started doing this was around 80%. But now, since they've been doing this, it's down to 62%. 
<laughs> so they're really helping their team. Well, the Houston Rockets, their mascot noticed this and they said, well, we're going to do something. Maybe the pros can be distracted as well. So they came up with this. Watch this video. Distracting free throw shooters is an art Arizona State University has perfected with the curtain of distraction until Wednesday night. The Houston Rockets were playing the Utah Jazz, which prompted Clutch, the Rockets mascot, to bring in the scariest free throw distraction in the least intimidating container, a recycling bin. Wanted to get him some more minutes. And the Jazz have a couple big guys. <laughs> to get him some more minutes. And the Jazz have a couple big guys. This man will forever haunt my dream. Can you imagine that? I mean, you're under there. You don't know what they're going to do. You're getting ready to shoot a free throw. And the green man comes jumping out of the recycle bin. Well, the reality is that distractions, they try to keep us from doing what we go out to do, right? What we set out to do. Um, this past week, have you guys ever heard that a cell phone's a distraction, talking on a cell phone? Yeah. Not for me though, right? I mean, other people, you can see them driving, they're swerving and you look over and they're on their cell phone. Well, this past week I was driving and I even had like the earbuds in. So I wasn't holding the cell phone up here and I was driving and I completely missed my exit. You know, I mean, I was trying to get on the toll road, ended up having to turn way back around, get back on the road. I'm like, man, how did I miss that? Well, I was distracted talking on the phone. And it reminded me, has anyone ever been on the phone when you're like going to Walmart or Martin's or Meyer, you ever done that? Like you're talking on the phone, you park the car, you walk in. You ever done that? Because I don't know about you, but I have no idea where I've parked at that point. And when I'm done, I come out to the outside and I'm like, where? I, don't, I don't know where I came from. You know, I was completely distracted. I start walking around, you know, pushing my button, looking for my car. Well, distractions in life are not a good thing. They keep us from doing what we set out to do. And the reality is, is that in our spiritual walk as well, distractions are not helpful. They are not helpful. They, they turn us from our focus on what God wants us to do. And I actually believe that one of the main ways that the enemy attacks us is through distractions. I mean, the first thing that the enemy is going to want to do is to, is to turn us from God. You know, he He's going to try to do everything he can to, to turn us from following God. But if he can't turn us from following God, then he will try his darndest just to distract us from what God wants us to do. Now, God's will for our lives is, of course, to stay focused, right? To not be distracted, distracted to do what he's called us to do. Proverbs 4.27 or 4. Chapter four, verse 25 through 27 says, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. So the scripture is saying, don't be distracted. Stay focused. Let's continue to move forward. And that's God's will for each of us is to not be distracted. So hold that thought. We're in the middle of a three-week series on evangelism titled, Go, Taking the Gospel to Our World. And the key scripture comes from Matthew 28, verse 19. 
This is where Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was calling his disciples to go make more disciples. And he's been calling us too, as followers of Jesus, to go and make more disciples, to not be distracted from that mission. Well, today uh, we're going to be reading a section of scripture in uh, Mark chapter four. You can turn there if you would like. Uh, But in this section of scripture, Jesus is speaking directly to the distractions that keep us from making disciples. So it's a parable, which is uh, a story about that teaches us spiritual concepts. And this one specifically is about sowing seeds. So this is something that all of the, the regional people could identify with at the time. So we'll be in Mark chapter four, starting with verse one. Let me read this first section. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. I'm going to stop there for a second. So, I have an illustration for this because um, farming was something that they did routinely in Jesus's day, but we don't necessarily see that as much anymore. At least it's not done quite the same way. So what they would do, let me just lather up here for y'all. Okay, so I have some seeds here, and these are sugar-free, by the way, for those who are doing the Daniel fast. All right, so the farmer would reach into their satchel of seeds, all right, and then they would just take it and they would throw it out, right? That's how they would do it. And so you can have those. And then some other seed would just kind of fall along the path. Don't pick those up, Rick, all right? But then other seed, they would flick it out, right? There we go, all right? Those are for you guys. Again, these are sugar-free. And then there's some way in the back that would go out there. Right? So that's the way they would do it. So they would just go out. The farmer would just kind of flick them up. There you go. There we go. All right. Everybody get some. How about over here? Doug, you want some over there? All right. So. All right. So we're done with this. Anyway, so the thing is about this. So these are the seeds. Some of the seed would fall on the path that he was walking on. All right? And it's hard. And so before it could take root, Birds would come along and pick it up. Some seed would fall along the path. It was like a little shallow soil. And so it would grow, but it wasn't deep enough to have deep, deep roots. And so that, those seeds would grow up and they would wither and die because they didn't have enough root. Other seed would kind of fall off to the side of the field where there, was wood, or where there were weeds, all right? So it wasn't plowed out. There were just weeds over there. And so it would grow up 
over here in the weeds, but it wouldn't produce any fruit. It'd be choked out. And then some of the seeds, right, they would fall out there with all of you where, where it's been tilled, the soil's been tilled, it's good soil, and it produces a fruit 30, 60 to 100 times. Right, so you have that image. Now, because back then he's telling this story and everybody understands that. They've all seen this done. Maybe some of them are farmers. They get it. So then the disciples go, when they're alone with Jesus, they go, okay, Jesus, what up with this whole thing on the seas? I mean, we understand farming, but what does that have to do with the kingdom of God? And I believe that when Jesus would tell these parables, the disciples would always <laughs> afterwards go up to Jesus and go, what was that about? You know, and Jesus would take them aside and he would explain it to them. Now, most of the time, those explanations aren't in scripture, but this one actually has the explanation. So this is in verse 13. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Okay, so I looked up the Greek word for word, um, you know, because the farmer sows the word. The word, the Greek word is logos. All right, that's the Greek word. And it means something said, the divine expression that is Christ, doctrine, preaching, talk, treatise, utterance, word, work. Okay, so it's got a lot of definitions. Um, but that same word, logos, is used in John chapter 1. I think this helps us to get an understanding. In John chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, was logos. And the word, logos, was with God, and the word was God. And then in John 1.14, it goes on, it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the farmer sows logos, the word of God, which is Jesus Christ. So it's the message of Jesus. It's the good news. It's the gospel. That's what the farmer is sowing, okay? So that's what's being sown is the message of Jesus. Now it falls on four soils. So the first one, is the hard path. So it's the hard heart. Someone hears the message of God and they just reject it and the enemy comes and just takes it away. Other seed falls on the shallow soil. This is someone who receives the word of God. You know, they start following Jesus right away, but they have no root. And so as soon as it, as soon as it starts to cost them something to follow Jesus, they fall away. They fall away. Then other seed is sown into the weeds. And this is when someone is a follower of Jesus and they grow up big and strong, but 
There's weeds around them, the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. And they get choked out and they produce no fruit. And then other seed, this is what we all should want to be, is the, the good soil. So this seed is, is sown and then it grows up and it produces a fruit. Here's a, here's a head of wheat. Typically, there's like 50 uh, grains, 50 seeds that are on every head of wheat. So if you think about that, one seed is sown and it grows up into a plant that produces 50 more. And so Jesus is saying, when a seed is sown, it should grow up and produce a fruit harvest of like 50 more. And that's what he's saying to us. Each one of us should influence somebody else for the gospel. Right? I mean, that's what it means to produce fruit. Each one of those seeds is exactly like the seed that was sown. But that seed that was sown, it died so that it could produce fruit. And we are supposed to die to ourselves and produce 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. But in the scripture, he talks about distractions, the third soil, right? And so we're going to spend some time today talking specifically about the distractions. Because I think in America today, and this could be worldwide, but definitely in America today, the number one reason that we don't produce fruit, I believe, is because of distractions. So we're going to talk about that today. Um, so today's message is titled, Good Gardening, Pulling the Weeds That Choke Us. And it's the message about evangelism again. I'll give us a couple of ways that we can pull these weeds. Um, but first, let me pray. And then we'll get started. So God, we come to you and I pray that you would speak to us. Speak to our hearts, God. I invite your Holy Spirit to minister to us, Lord. Open up our hearts and minds to hear from you even more so than hearing from me. And God, I pray that you would speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so you can fill this in on your handout. A couple of points. We can pull the weeds that choke us by, number one, changing our feed. Changing our feed. Verses 18 and 19 says, Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, and then it goes on to say, come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Worries of this life. Has anyone had any worries this past 12 months or so? I mean, yeah. I mean, if I was preaching this message a year ago, you might have gone, oh, I don't know. Maybe I worry about something here or there, but this is a universal issue today, isn't it? Worldwide, we have had so many things to worry about it. I wonder if we could add it up, how much time in the last 12 months we have spent watching the news or scrolling through you know, a news feed or scrolling through a social media feed. I wonder how many hours that would be. And isn't it interesting that they're called feeds because they they're feeding us something right i mean we are eating we are consuming what they are feeding us and let me just tell you it affects us it affects us 
Matthew 6, 22 says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. What we consume through our eyes affects us. It affects us. A steady diet of fear, turmoil, and conflict will reap a harvest of anxiety, mistrust, and hopelessness. Just does. Carter Bontrager drew this cartoon for me this week. I think it's so true. So you have a guy over here watching the news, and he's got kind of a, a grimace on his face. And it's even stormy outside, if you can see that. <laughs> and then someone over here reading their Bible, got a smile on his face. The sun is shining. I know the sun doesn't always shine when we do that. But, but I, I had him draw this because it illustrates just a truth this past year. I mean, it happened to me. Most of the time, uh, when I read my Bible, I go downstairs into the furnace room. I have a recliner down there, and I can get away from everybody and just kind of lock myself in. And, uh, and so I'll go down there to read my Bible. Sometimes I'll get on my phone first when I'm sitting there. And I remember one of those days, I don't remember what the, the latest news story was at that time, but I remember reading the news on my phone and I'm going, oh man, Whew, man, this world really is going to end. You know what I mean? I really had that feeling of, of hopelessness after reading. I'm like, how is this going to happen? You know, how, how are things going to go here? And so I put my phone down and I, and I picked up my Bible and I, and I started reading my Bible. And I remember the feeling was so different. It was so different because as I'm reading the scriptures and, and God's truth and the same words I've been reading since I was a little kid, you know, they still spoke of a God who loves and a God who saves, a God who never changes, you know, who, who is and was and is to come. And, and the hope we have in Christ. And as I'm reading, I'm like, oh, this hasn't, this hasn't changed. This is still the same. And I can trust it and I can, and I can rely on it. What we feed on is going to affect us. And so to avoid the weed of worry, which, which chokes us out, We've got it. We've got to change what we're feeding on. We've got to change the feed. So here's a question I'd like us all to ask ourselves. Is my spiritual diet out of balance? I just want you to think about your time. How much time are you spending feeding on what the world is giving you Versus feeding on the truths of God's word. Scripture, coming to church, which I'm so glad you guys are here today and also over in the beacon. I'm just so glad you guys are here because this matters. You know, as we, as we feed on God's word with God's people, it changes things in our lives and it counteracts the steady diet of fear and frustration and really immorality. I'll be honest, during uh, the first song today, um, I was reminded, because it was talking about, Hope talked about holiness. I was reminded of a new Netflix series that I started watching, which it was TV 14. I thought it would be fine. And you know, it's one of those where they throw in a little something, you're like, ugh. Okay, hopefully they don't do that again. And then they throw in something else, and ugh. And then by the third or fourth episode, it's actually like really bad. 
but you're kind of hooked by then. I'm like, I really like this series, but it's not. And I was, I was reminded as I was sitting there and as Hope was talking about holiness is that God says to be holy like I am holy. And I can't consume that series anymore. You know, I'm three or four episodes in and I've got to just be done because it's going to affect me. I mean, if we, if we think that we can consume the trash of this world and it's not going to affect our hearts, we are misled. We are misled. So we got to change our feed. We got to change our feed. All right, that's the first point. We can pull the weeds that choke us by changing our feed. The second one from the scripture says, we can pull the weeds that choke us by running from greed. Running from greed. The part that I cut out earlier says, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So Jesus is talking about three specific weeds, right? Worry, wealth, things. And I'm lumping wealth and things together but they can choke us out. So what is the deceitfulness of wealth? What is it? I believe that it is this lie that if I just had more money, I would be happy. You ever felt that way? <laughs> if I just got that raise, if I just got that promotion, boy, man, I would be set. Life would be good. I would be happy. The reality is that the truth is that Wealth will not make you happy, no matter how much you have. I mean, if you do any, you know, studies on some of the actors and actresses and famous people who are making millions and billions of dollars, um, they're still looking for happiness. They haven't found it yet. Been through five marriages and still haven't found it yet. When I worked at the hospital, um, every year I would get pretty substantial raises. And so every year I remember looking at it and going, oh, wow, I made this much more than I did last year. And I made this much more than I did last year. And, you know, about two months after every raise, I realized that it wasn't enough. You know, when you get it, you're like, oh, I've, I've, I've reached it. I finally, I'm making that amount. And then about two months later, you're like, boy, if I just made a little bit more, if I just made a little bit more. And so this, this lie that money and things will make you happy can distract us. Because if our happiness is dependent on money and things, then what are we going to do? We're going to spend our time and our energy pursuing money and things. And it's going to, excuse me, it's going to distract us from winning lives for Jesus, from influencing people for Jesus, from producing spiritual fruit because we're spending all of our time pursuing money. I, I knew someone one time who had gotten plugged into the church and, uh, and he was growing spiritually and his family was growing spiritually and uh, things were going really well for him. And then he got a job offer on the other side of the country. I mean, I don't know how much, making more money. And so he uprooted his entire family from, from their friends, from their spiritual connection, and drug them across the country for no other reason than for 
the pursuit of money. It's not like they were poor to begin with. There was just $10,000 more over there. You know what I mean? And we can do that. We can, we can pursue money at the expense of our family, at the expense of our friends, at the expense of our ministry. And it's costly. It's costly. I've never met a boat owner who didn't want a bigger boat. I've never met a new car owner <laughs> who a year later is wishing they had a different car. I shouldn't say I never met, but that's pretty consistent, right? I mean, you, you buy a new car and you love it and it makes you happy. And then a year later, it's not a use. It's not a new car anymore. Or the thrill of buying a new pair of shoes. <laughs> it goes away in what? How long, Ruth? Like two, a week. <laughs> I was thinking like a year, but you know, like a week. Yeah, for men, it's a year. <laughs> the new car smell wears off. Things, man, if, if we pursue things to make us happy, we're going to be disappointed. And we're going to be unfruitful according to the scripture. We're going to be unfruitful for the kingdom. So the secret to happiness is not more stuff. It's contentment. Whether you make 10 bucks an hour or you make 100 bucks an hour, it's being content with what you have. And as a follower of Jesus, you can trust his promises, which are, if you're generous to me, I will take care of all of your needs. As we tithe our 10% to the kingdom, God guarantees that he will take care of our needs. And then it's up to us to be content with what we have. And when we're content with what we have, then we can go after the kingdom thing, right? We can put the pursuit of money, the, our careers, our jobs in the place that they need to be, which is really secondary to the ministry of the gospel. I'm not saying we shouldn't have jobs or we shouldn't work hard at them. I mean, we should, but they don't need to be all-consuming in our lives. They shouldn't be all-consuming in our lives. We have something else to do, and it's not just to make money. Matthew 6, 24, this is where Jesus is speaking. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It doesn't get much plainer than that, right? We cannot serve both God and money. This next scripture, this is, this is Paul. This is from 1 Timothy. Paul is speaking to his disciple, Timothy, who is a, a young pastor. And he's really just kind of telling him where money belongs, the pursuit of money in his life. And he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into a ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. 
So this year, if we are going to make disciples, if we are going to go into all the world and make disciples, then we're going to have to put money in its place. All right? We're going to have to put money in its place. We're going to need to be content with our place in life. Now, by the way, if, if money is a, is a struggle for you or things is a struggle for you, there is a remedy to that, <laughs> is be generous. You know, give some money away. Or, you know, that thing that you really love, give that to somebody. I mean, as you are generous, it releases that hold on you. Greed has no place in your life if you're going to give things away. And that's your last fill-in. The best antidote to greed is to give to someone in need. So I've been doing this pastor thing for a while now. And I will tell you, I have seen so many followers of Jesus who are these strong, they got deep roots and they got, they're a strong stalk, but there's no head of wheat on the top. They're just not producing fruit. And if you, if you kind of study into their lives, it is because of these three things. It's because they're, man, they're just so worried about life or they're so into their career or making money or they just have so many things that they just love to spend their time and energy with. And those three things can choke us and make us unproductive for the kingdom. All right, I'm going to invite Will to come up here. He's going to lead us in a closing song. And then over in the beacon as well, um, Esther's, I believe, going to lead you guys in a song. But let's all stand. I'm going to pray. So God, I, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, Lord. If we're doing good in these areas, Lord, I pray that you would affirm that with us and encourage us, Father. But God, if we are struggling with some of these weeds, Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Cut our hearts, Lord. We do not want to one day stand before you and, and talk about the fact that we were in the weeds all of our life. We want to be producing fruit. But Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts even now as we uh, sing this final song. In Jesus' name.
deserve it all. You deserve it all. There on a tree, merciful King, broken and shameful, all to see the Father lames kind of trying to sum up that message I think I don't think I know our ultimate goal is what we sow what we produce as humans that's the ultimate goal we do all this stuff in this cleansing in this in putting our our ourself in correct soil not not so we can be this beautiful plant but it's so we can produce, like Clint said, we can produce that that crop. And so, you know, as you do this, I, I, I had the opportunity this past fall to ride with um, somebody that was working in the fields. And he talked about how, like, these different seeds of corn and they yield different, like, well, this, he, with the patch we are on, he's like, man, this is producing a good crop. This is really good. And so in our life, we can do that. 
we have somebody on the prayer team that shared this with me and it says, he, he kind of wrote down what he thought God was saying to me. It says, this is God saying to, to somebody here, maybe probably me, probably to all of us. It says, I desire workers who will sow the seed of my love and truth. And so as I was thinking about that, a word that, that came to mind, that word is yield. For us to to sow the best seed possible, and Clint talked about this, that we have to yield part of our life so we can seek God more. This is also from the prayer team. It says, yield every part of yourself to my word and my truth. And so that's what I want to pray for this morning. We should yield every aspect of our life to God. But this morning, maybe maybe God is revealing just one area of your life that you should yield to him. If that's you, then I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand where you are. Is there an area that God says, give this to me? It may be time. It may be money. It may be something really specific, like I'm on social media too much and and I can give some of that up to seek God more. When we do that, when we yield and we seek God more, what we sow is going to be so much greater. Just pausing if, if... God reveals an area of your life to yield. Just feel free to raise your hand. I'm just going to give this a second. Okay, so for those that are hands up, God, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray a prayer on behalf of them, a prayer of of submission that whatever's on their hearts right now, God, we give it to you. I don't know what that is, God, but you do. Just clear that from them, God. King, the, the image of, of a roadblock that you come up to a, a, a road and it's got those you know, yellow, orange roadblock signs and God is clearing that out of the way right now. He's removing that road, and that road is open to him. So God, again, we give this to you. Clear our roadblocks for us, because we want to seek you. Will you all pray with me? So God, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your powerful word. God, we talk about that a lot here at Lighthouse, about the word and your word, and but it is so true. And and me personally, I don't know if, we, if I thank you enough for that. So we just thank you for your word. We thanking you for giving us 
a way to live our lives. So we didn't have to worry about that. You've got it all spelled out for us, God. And God, as we leave this place, not just today, but figuratively as we go, God, let our seed be sown to our families, to our neighbors, to this community, in this county, in this state, in this nation, and around the world, God. Getting the image right now of all this seed of the of the whole United States right now that is that is covered with with flowers because of the seeds that were sown. They don't just miraculously pop up, God. You fill us and we will sow those seeds. I just thank you for this morning and thank you for your mighty son, Jesus. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, thank you guys for praying with me. Um, Thanks for coming this morning. If you have any other prayer requests, you can personalize them. We have a prayer team that will pray for you. Other than that, um, you're dismissed and we'll see you next week. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family and we will see you next time.